0: The Bible grab that we're looking at Mark chapter four. Uh, There's also the so we'll that up and uh, bring as well. Uh, in our series on the Jesus Revolution, we've we'll been looking at how drastically Jesus changes and shakes things up. Uh, things radically change, uh, And we've we'll been looking at how he comes and brings the uh, the kingdom of God. And um, we're going to continue that series by looking at Mark chapter 4. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it, out on the lake. While all the people were... Is this the right passage? Right? Yes. Yes? Okay. Yes. Right, I to the wrong part. Sorry. Uh, he taught them many things in parables. Uh, in his teaching he said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. grew and produced a crop, some multiplying thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in the parables, so that They may be ever seen, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes, and the desires of other things come in and shake the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what is sown.
1: I guess why don't you grab the, the booklet that you've been given on your way in helpful for you to take notes, then then please do that. If it's not, then you don't need to. It's all good. Uh, But hopefully, uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to give you an opportunity to actually really actively engage with what the Bible is telling us. Because we believe that this is the, the way that we get to know who Jesus is. That this is the way that we get to um, work out how to navigate through life and that this is the way and um, that we truly get transformed and, and we want you to be able to engage with that however you learn however, if you need to scribble stuff down whatever it may be we're not going to throw things at you we're not um, wanting to set up this super kind of strict environment we want you to sit back get yourselves comfortable so that you can actually listen. Because you see, one of the things about Jesus is when we chat to people out and around Cronulla, a lot of the time people say that Jesus uh, was a good teacher. And and that's true. But a lot of the time we kind of have this really fanciful idea about Jesus' teaching. Today, we're going to get a bit of a reality check. Because Jesus' words are actually hard hitting. I reckon he probably could have been Australian right he just gets straight to the point he says it as it is and this sermon today if you've never been to church before basically we teach through the Bible and a lot of the time I work really really hard to understand where you are to understand how you interpret and read the story of the Bible so that we can help you to best see who Jesus is Today, we're going to take a big overview approach to this passage that we're looking at. And we're going to keep a hold of just the original intention of Jesus' words here, right? And that means that they are just pretty direct and straight to the point. Jesus' story, his parable of the power of the sword, is actually meant to be pretty cutting. It's actually meant to challenge you. So I'm going to pray that you get challenged today. I want to pray that, that this message of the palm of the sword actually challenges you and ruffles your feathers up a little bit so that you can see Jesus clearly. That's what I'm going to pray and we're going to get stuck into it, yeah? And Father God, I just said, uh, thank you that you um, teach us and you show us who you are through your word. But Lord God, sometimes that is so direct that we don't like it. Help us to have the courage Help us to have the hearts that hear what it is that you have to say to us today. and we to pray these things in your name. Amen. I'm not sure about you, but I, I don't like being put in a box. <coughs> right? I, I don't like um, people uh, trying to work out who I am, trying to define my limits, trying to just say, now Lee is this kind of guy, that's who he is. I, I just don't like it, right? And one of the most frustrating things that I've ever done in my life is a thing called the Myers-Briggs test. Now, some of you are laughing because you're familiar with that. It's a type of personality profiling that businesses use to help work out how you deal with problems, how you take on information, how you recharge and engage with people. And it's actually a pretty good tool it just completely frustrates the living daylight out of me and it frustrates me because i ask questions like this you prefer to keep things in their original state or make changes even for the sake of change really like, you're going to force me to choose between those two. That's just ridiculous. It depends on the context. It really depends on kind of how I woke up out of bed in the morning and you're trying to squeeze me into this little box. I just don't fit there. Maybe that says something about my Myers-Briggs type, right? What are you con- the next one. What are you concerned with and choose to believe in more? Facts and real information or instinct Inspiration, imagination, and answer. I want them both. <laughs> right? I kind of want the whole package. I don't want to be sitting there. And the first time that I did the myers breaks, it took me forever to fill out those questions because every question I came to, I was trying to work out the context and what I would do in each kind of particular scenario. And it just frustrated me. It frustrated me partly because it's forcing me to respond between two opposites. It's actually forcing you to think about something with with very little context, with very little qualification behind it. But you know what? Really when push comes to shove, the main reason why I didn't like the process is because I don't like being put in a box.
0: We don't like
1: people putting us in a box, do we? We don't like being told who we are. We want to actually discover those things for ourselves. We want to actually work out the answer to those things for ourselves. And you certainly don't want an Irish guy from up the front telling you who you are. Do you? Now, for those of you that are really burning to, to hear, maybe you know a little bit about uh, Myers Briggs. I'm an ENFP. Now, there's a Facebook thing that's going around at the moment. You can do that later on. Uh, But I kind of sit a little bit more in the middle of a couple of those. But in many ways, as frustrating as that was, I did this for the first time maybe about eight years ago. As frustrating as that was for me, it actually gave me some very helpful and very valid information about my life that has actually helped me navigate through life. It's actually helped me work out where my strengths are, what my weaknesses are, how I relate to people, how I build teams of people. It's actually been really, really helpful, and it actually did me good. I didn't like it, but it's done me good. Do you get that? Have you ever had those times where you hear something, someone has told you something about yourself, and it hurts? It's actually hard to take on board. It's hard to hear, in the end, that there's good. It's hard, isn't it? You know, it's hard when our friends give us feedback about our life. It's hard when we get that assessment back from uni and we just don't quite hit the mark. It's hard when somebody criticizes us and points out our faults. Well, we put ourselves through those things, don't we? I and mean, we put ourselves through those things because I think, by and large, what we want to do is we want to actually live healthy and fruitful lives. You actually want to navigate through life well, don't you? You, you do. We, we all do. Even if you kind of don't think that you do it all that well. And that's why we put ourselves through the pain of doing things like Myers-Briggs tests, doing assessments, doing exams, and that I know you get forced in many ways to do those things. But I reckon you actually commit yourself to doing it Because you want to have a fruitful life. You want to be able to navigate through life well. Well, guess what? This is exactly what Jesus does here in and through the parable of the sword. He actually invites you to submit yourself to listening to this story To allow Jesus to actually ask you some tough questions. To get you to look inward and see something about yourself that will probably make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. (coughs) That will probably ruffle your feathers up a bit. But it's not just so you can improve your life. It's actually so that you can live the life that you were made for. It's not so that you can just be more fruitful and, and transform your career so that you can be a better leader. It's so that you can actually transform your whole life. It's not so that you can just get rich. It's so that you can have ultimate riches. Riches that last For eternity. You see, Jesus is concerned about your whole life today. He's actually concerned because he knows that these things aren't just a matter of life. They're not just things that will help you navigate through life, but actually navigate through death. These are things that will help you see beyond this world and into the next. But he's not concerned about getting you to answer a series of frustrating questions, in a sense. He's actually just concerned about one thing. And one thing only. How you respond to his word. That's what it is. You see, the word hear in this passage, it's used about nine times. Jesus starts with it, he kind of ends with it. All of the little stories of the sea are all about how we hear and respond to his word. But it's not just a bunch of sound waves, right, that go through your ear canal and your brain kind of processes and go, pumps out some words at the other end. That's not the biblical word for hear. It actually means that you hear, that you understand, and, and that your life actually reflects the fact that you've taken on board what it is that Jesus has said. That's what he's concerned about. He's actually concerned today that you hear the message of his kingdom. He's actually concerned today that you hear the message of his revolutionary forgiveness. He's actually concerned today that you hear and that you can adequately navigate through life whatever it is that it throws at you.
0: He's
1: actually concerned today that you continue to hear. Not just today, not just tomorrow, but that you continue day after day After day, regardless of the voices that clamor for your attention, Jesus is actually concerned about how you hear His word. And essentially, what He does is He forces us into four different types of boxes, four soils, and we're going to look at them now. The first one, the hard soil, first 14, small number 14 on your book, please. A farmer sows the word. Some people are like a seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes the word away that was sown in them. I'm not sure about you, but the first kind of thing that just really stands out for me in this, and it's partly because I always kind of nearly want to blame somebody else in this story, right? The first thing that springs up to mind for me here is the bird Or or Jesus describes the bird that comes along and grabs the seed as Satan. That's the first thing that springs up for me. Now, Satan is not the picture that you see in Homer Simpson. You know, have you seen that picture of the Simpsons where um, Satan is this red kind of person with horns, with like goat kind of feet, and he gives Homer Simpson eternal kind of niggies on his head. That's not the biblical picture of who Satan is. Actually, the Bible describes Satan as someone who comes away and plucks the truth. He's described as the father of lies. And and here, what we read in the story of Christianity tells us that Satan is continually at work, just coming along and pulling up those seeds of truth. Flicking them aside. And all of a sudden, Jesus' words are gone. That might be that you hear Jesus' words and then straight away you go on to some kind of article that you've read on Facebook or from an academic and you read it and, and you just disregard what it is that he has said. That's it, just gone. It's been plucked out from underneath you. Maybe it's because you just you say to your friends or your family, you know what I went to church on Sunday or I started reading something about this Jesus guy and they just look at you and laugh. You didn't swallow a bar that, did you? You're not going to be like those blokes. Sure, we see them on the news. We see them on TV all the time. Go on. Maybe it's just you sit down and you think about it for a while and, and, and all of the, the different things of life just kind of creep in. And all of a sudden the seed just doesn't have an opportunity to penetrate into your heart. You, you close your ears, your heart hardens over, and you don't listen to his word. You see, you don't really get an opportunity here, I think, in this parable to blame somebody else, though. As much as we see this as part of the story, Jesus is really putting the emphasis on us. But what he's saying here is that the main reason that the seed, the main reason that Jesus' word does not penetrate into your heart is because your heart is like a sun-backed, Play rocky path. You hear the word, and you reject it. You don't see its relevance. Or you see something just so small and insignificant that doesn't seem to provide any meaning, any worth, or any value to your life. This may be where you sit this morning, this afternoon. And that's not easy to hear, is it? It's certainly not easy to say. Yeah, you may be interested in Jesus. You may be interested in some intellectual uh, things that he said, or you may just kind of be interested a little bit on a few life hacks here and there, because, you know, he kind of talks about all of this forgiveness stuff, and I should do some of that. But really, when it comes to it, you're not really Concern about his word at all. In fact, you can't. Because your heart's hard. You live a life living it up in Cronulla. You live for yourself. You're trying to establish all of these things that are good like your career, like your friendship, networks. You're enjoying the fruit of your labor. Your life is so busy that you don't even have time to entertain Jesus' word. You have your sporting groups, your mother's groups, your teacher's groups, your union groups, whatever else it might be. And Jesus' word just becomes one of many lost and gone. Jesus is saying, your heart is like a hardened path. Heard it before. My mom's a Catholic. Yeah, I used to go to church. You don't need to tell me that again. I know what you're going to say. Huh. You know what? I let the Christian school. I kind of know it already. All of those are just different ways of flicking that seed off the path. Now, Jesus is saying that you hear his word. He's not saying here that you don't hear it. But he is saying that you don't really hear it. You actually don't really hear it because you don't really want to hear what he has to say. And that's kind of why Jesus quotes this um, this passage uh, from Isaiah in verse 12. It is from a, a prophet who was 700 years before, and Jesus quotes him, and it's, this is, kind of seems a little bit strange. I'll look at verse 12. He, he says in the parables that you may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding, otherwise you might turn and be forgiven. Now, now that got to be one of the strangest things that Jesus has ever said. Rather right, like he, he kind of came to save the world. And here it seems as though what he's saying is that, that I'm kind of telling people stuff in parables so that just in case you don't turn and believe. What's going on there? It's a long explanation, but I think in part, that Jesus is kind of being a little bit of a little bit ironic here. The, the emphasis on this Uh, parable is is largely on us. You can ask me how I, I would explain this whole passage another time but here Jesus is kind of saying something like this I tell you these things in parables I explain things to people in parables because when I do it will expose and show me the people who really want to hear what I have to say it will show me the people who really want to hear, but it will also actually expose people to whose hearts are just hard. Because if I told you the secrets of the kingdom, you might turn and get the thing that you actually just don't really kind of want anyway. Do you, do you get the emphasis of that? There's kind of like a little bit of irony here of what Jesus is saying. He's saying You just don't want to hear. If you think that this is you today, this is actually a very real warning. It's actually meant to kind of cut you up a little bit. Now, I know in your mind you're not saying that you reject Jesus. I, I understand, I've actually been here myself. I know that you're not really saying that you've rejected his words. But this is exactly what Jesus is saying. This is the hard-hitting words that he has to say to us. Because you see, if you don't hear his word and accept his word, then that means that you're rejecting his word. And if you reject his word, that means that you don't get to have the benefits of his word. Which is forgiveness, which is reconciliation with the God who made the world and everything in it. Jesus is saying, you don't get it. Now my grandfather, I haven't actually looked at this picture for a long time. Um, He had an awesome beard, didn't he? my, My grandfather never once let anyone speak to him about Jesus. I became a Christian in, in uh, 1998, and uh, every time I tried to speak to him about Jesus, he, he just was a stone wall. He, he didn't really like anybody speaking about Jesus in his home, and he uh, he occasionally went along to church. But basically, when he came back from church, he just said, "That was loads of nonsense. Don't talk to me about any of that stuff." Just strong, hard-working Irishman. And over time, the times that he did hear the word, it just continued to expose his hard heart. And in 2001, he got diagnosed with cancer. And God used, God used that to to break down his hard heart, to open up his ears. And he became a Christian six weeks before he died. It's pretty phenomenal, right? Here's what he said, though. <coughs> I wish I had not been so hard. I wish I had not been so closed all of these years. And he repeatedly told that to his family in the last six weeks that he had left to live on this earth. Do you really want to hear? Do you really want to know who this person Jesus is? Second, the rocky soil. Others, like the seed sown on rocky places, hear the word, and at once they receive it with joy that since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Friends, I've lived in the Shire for uh, pretty much 10 years now. I've been in Australia. And I've seen lots of this type of soil. It's genuine. You, you actually, you hear... That Jesus comes to give you life and, and life to the full. And, and you accept it with a genuine and open heart. You hear that Jesus will uh, forgive your sins and you, you, you respond with joy. You hear that Jesus actually wants to transform your whole life and, and you want some of that. You actually genuinely do. But you don't grow. Somehow you don't move beyond spiritual milk. Maybe you get stuck in in a church community where you commit yourself to growing, but for whatever reason, when you hear um, charges to read the Bible, to get involved in a small group, to be coming regularly to church so that you can hear Jesus' word, you just don't see it as such a big deal. Like, really? Really? How can all those things actually help? Really, just reading the Bible? Just hearing from the Bible? no. no, we believe that this is the way that Jesus speaks to us. Don't we? This is the way that we hear Jesus' words. You see, then something happens, doesn't it? Something happens, it's just not meant to be in the script. You receive it with joy, but then maybe trouble and persecution comes. Someone says something to you or challenges you about your life, or that it just makes you feel a little bit too uncomfortable. Sickness comes. Maybe people start challenging you about your faith. Maybe it's relationship breakdown it can kind of really be anything. Now, about three years ago, we were having pizza in Cross in Guamia. And at that stage, we didn't have Ava, so we had three of our kids. was Kathra, Joshua, Grace, and um, Sophia was a little baby at the time. And Grace was probably about this age at the time. And uh, it's pretty cute, isn't it? And uh, we were sitting... Having pizza after some soccer, and Gracie's face just went from that to just completely draining colour in an instant. Her, her eyes just started looking as though they were getting glazed over, and she started pointing at her heart. Literally, within seconds, she stopped breathing, and, and her heart just, just stopped. and it, I'm, I'm there, just, just ready to, to kind of give her CPR, just there, nobody had a clue what was going on. And, and thank God, she, she started breathing again. Now by that stage, we were on the phone to the ambulance, and we just were not really quite sure uh, what it was that was going on for her. Did it wasn't it something in our heart, but it was certainly something that we weren't willing to take a chance on. So the ambulance came. Up until that point, I had kind of kicked into intensive care mode. I used to be an intensive care nurse. I just kicked in to that mode. I knew exactly what to do. But man, the moment, the moment that I handed Grace to the ambulance, it just suddenly hit me what could happen. It just suddenly hit me the trouble and the persecution that could I had to let Katha go in the ambulance with her. And, and as I as I sat there and watched those ambulance doors closing I just realised that that could be the last time that I ever see my grace. That that would be one of the biggest and largest trials that I could ever go through. I watched the ambulance going off. I drove off behind it just worried waiting for the, the sirens and the lights to go off. And I can remember just saying these things to myself. I think I actually said to my loud. Lord, this would be, this would be by far the worst thing that can ever happen to me. This, this will really challenge my faith. But I know that you are good. Lord, I don't even begin to think how I would deal with this, how I would bring my wife and my family through something like this. But I know that you will be with me. I know that you will never leave me nor forsake me. Lord, I'm scared. I am. We all doubt. But I know, because I've seen it time and time again, I've heard your word over and over again and seen your faithfulness with countless people through times like this. I know that I can trust you. And I meant that. That was hard. And God's providence seems okay. But man, that event just really drove home for me the need for Christians, the need for people to bear down deep roots in the Word of God to actually have your ears open and continue to hear. Because, you see, I'm not sure if you noticed or not, it's not if trials will come. What does it say? Have a look. When trouble comes. Establish, this is why we feed you from God's Word. This is why we teach God's word from up to the front. This is why we get you into DNA groups. This is why we encourage you to meet up with one another to read God's word. It's not just because it's a hobby horse. It's because you really need to hear God's word. You want that, don't you? Yes, you actually want to be the kind of person. You can stand up under trials, not necessarily in your own strength, but because you've got roots that are firmly buried in the soil of Jesus. I know you won. I do. Is This issue, though, no. has the seed of God's word actually fallen on shallow soil. Maybe you blame your lack of growth on other things. But really, Jesus is exposing just that you've got a bed of rock just underneath that two-inch soil. And you need to do something it. Thorning ground, soil number three, verse 18. I told you this was going to be hard hitting didn't I? Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, Hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Now, funny thing about this one is why right, the soil is actually really good, and it's deep. It's actually the type of soil that sees shoots grow up and sees actually abundant fruit kind of growing. And this is good soil. the problem is that weeds are just there lurking in the background. They actually kind of start to grow up a little bit like my garden. The other week I looked at it and it was fine and I looked at it the other day and it's just like completely overgrown with all of these weeds. I didn't even realize they were there. The problem is it's really hard to identify what these weeds are in our life a lot of the time. And that's actually what makes them particularly noxious to our life. For some of you, it's the worries of this world. It's, it's, It's the worries of comfort, security, power, relationships, respect. Some of you get so burdened and weighed down by those things that it makes you anxious and nervous about life. They're not necessarily bad things, but they become worries. One of the saddest things, and I, I don't mean this in a judgmental way, I mean this with all sincerity. One of the saddest things that I have seen over the years as a Christian are seeing Christians who, who bear fruit. Who actually receive Jesus' word. They're, they're on fire. They serve on everything. But they never deal with the weeds. Or maybe they do. And they just go. It's not really that big a deal. Now all of a sudden they grow up. The thorns come out. And it just sucks the life out of them. And they stop following Jesus. But they stop hearing His word. You see, because we worry about security, we worry about respect, we worry about comfort, we worry about other people's approval, because of all of those things, we often feel very, very comfortable with having a number of weeds in our life. We get stuck into a new job. We start missing hearing from Jesus' word. We get pushed into a new context and we go, and that'll be okay. And all of a sudden we start listening to all of these other words, and Jesus' word just kind of white noise in the background. On top of this, I kind of I'm kind of getting to the stage right, where I'm just a little bit uncool. Right? I kind of don't really get some of the hashtags and all of that. And one that I discovered recently was FOMO. Uh, yeah, fear of missing out. So I thought I'd kind of chuck it in and maybe try and redeem some cool points, right? <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's actually quite a clever thing, isn't it, for you? Because we have it. But we actually fear on missing out of the opportunities that people are having. You know, on top of all of these worries of the world, we actually have a fear of missing out on the experiences that people have, the countries that they've traveled to, the amount of money that they earn. We have all of this extra kind of stuff. And it just means that you actually forget to hear his word. Football, Oz surfing, parties, university, work, family, another little party, whatever it might be. They're all good things. Please don't hear me saying that they're not good things because we're driven by this fear of missing out and the worries of this world we don't hear Jesus' word for some of you it might be the deceit of wealth but you know money promises so much and actually delivers very little money will not walk with you and hold your hand through sickness money will not be there for you as you pass through death yeah it helps we need it is it that that lures you away is that the big old weed in your garden and for some of you it's following the desires of your heart you know you actually have started to believe that Jesus doesn't want good for you. That these things that you desire will give you more good, more satisfaction, (coughs) more meaning, more purpose than the words of Jesus. Sex, house, car, degree, employment, (laughs) and amen. When these things kind of start to underdeliver, or or just kind of don't really seem to hit the mark, uh, quite so much, maybe, maybe you kind of cut down some weeds, maybe you kind of pull a few up, but really it doesn't work because you don't really get down into the roots. They just keep on cropping up. You know? Maybe you think if only I could change my context, then it will be okay. So you get rid of the weeds kind of dig a little patch up and you kind of go and you plump it maybe into another church maybe to another suburb maybe to another place and, and then yeah for sure at the start you kind of start to see yourself flourishing but the weeds are still there and it's not long again before we start to grow up before they start to crush. And before you start stop, stop listening to Jesus' word. You see, there's kind of nearly the worst thing that happens here. It could be just that, that those weeds just stomp your growth. And actually and you stomp your growth maybe just enough so that it leaves a little slither of Christian behind. Enough that it appeases your conscience. Enough that it appeases the conscience of the people around you. Enough that means that you can sidestep your mates who maybe want to invite you to come along to church but, but there's just that little silver of Christian there. Maybe it's enough for you just to kind of go and rock up to church and engage in church but never really engage and never really hear because there's still a little bit of Christian yeah. that would be much worse. Because I think it would be delusional. Fertile ground, the last one. This is the ground that accepts the word Jesus, right? It, it kind of puts it deep down into life. And and, and the, the kind of like like the surprising thing in this is that we don't normally expect the type of fruit that Jesus talks about here. But, like he, he says here, that, that you will see fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. This is kind of massive, right? You grow in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self control. You hear the word and you accept it, even when that word's hard. You hear the word no matter how it's delivered. You worship God in all of your life and you grow in maturity. You get involved in mission. You grow in your belonging in a local church. You use your gifts and your money and your time and your talent because you've got deep, fertile soil. Now, did you notice who these people were in the passage? Have a look at verse 10, and you see that the apostles, but then there was this group of people that kind of came along with them to hear more from Jesus' word. There was a whole bunch of people in the crowd who, who heard the parable of the sower and they just kind of stayed there. These people are the people who come and seek out Jesus, they're the people who want to hear more. Is this you? Do you seek out Jesus to hear more from His Word? When trouble comes, do you hear Jesus' words? When the weeds kind of start cropping up in your life, do you hear Jesus' words amidst all of those other things? Do you have more FOMO for Jesus than anything else? You can tweet that later, right? (laughs) Guys, you want this.
0: You do. I want
1: this. I want to be able to be a person who can have substance in Jesus. I want to actually be a person that can stand the trials and the tests of this world because of Jesus. I want to be the kind of person who doesn't get choked. And I think you do too. And here's really, really, really awesomely good news. All you need to do is hear Jesus' word, accept it, and believe it. That's it. That's phenomenal, isn't it? It really is. It's really kind of like simple. Now what kind of soil are you? Have you can't have that really uncomfortable I've been feeling uncomfortable preaching this sermon. Because I don't like being put in a box. I don't like people telling me who I am. But Jesus actually tells you this. And here's why he tells you this parable. He tells you this parable because he wants you to continue. He tells you this parable because he wants you to come and hear him. He tells you this parable because he wants you to be able to stand the test of time. He actually wants you to have life. He actually wants you to live life to the full. That's why he says these hard things. You know what? The farmer in this parable scatters the seed everywhere. He doesn't just scatter it in the good soil, he scatters it everywhere because it shows the abundance and the merciful nature of the fact that Jesus wants you to hear his word. And we get something that the people in the crowd don't. We actually get to hear the explanation. You know the people that were in the crowd. They don't get to hear the secret of the kingdom. They don't get to hear it explained. You do. What an awesome privilege that is. You see, if you're like the hard soil, (coughs) Jesus can actually jackhammer up all of that concrete if you hear His word. If you're like this shallow soil that's just got a bed of rock underneath it, Jesus can come along and plow up that field and make it rich and fertile ground. All you have to do is hear his word. If if your soil this morning is just completely overrun by weeds, Jesus kind of comes along and pulls them out. He won't just lock them off at the top and be concerned about working in right to the root of the problem. All you need to do is hear this word. A really simple message today. <coughs> Jesus can jackhammer the concrete. He can plow the rocky path. He can weed the weedy garden so that we can hear his work. Establish church. Hear his word. Hear his word. Every day. Father, while well, we don't like it when we hear things direct that exposes our weaknesses and our heart. We thank you so much that you do this for us because you long to see us work you only see us continuing much beyond this life, but also into the next. Lord, break down our rocky hearts. Give us new hearts. Get rid of the weeds in our heart. Help us to be able to hear your voice clearly.